Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Peter 5. If you've lived in the southeastern part of the United States of America, well, then your radar is up a little more every year in the late summer and early fall because that is hurricane season. And thankfully, hurricanes don't spring up out of nowhere. Usually when a hurricane is coming for you, you've got some kind of warning. And so you have a chance to prepare. And there are certain things, no doubt, you know to do when the storm is coming. That's maybe somewhat of a helpful picture as we wrap up 1 Peter today. Uh, We've been seeing how often, every chapter now, suffering has come up. And he says, don't be surprised at this fiery trial that has come upon you. So he is warning believers about suffering. That has been a big theme and how believers should live in times of suffering, going all the way back to what well, we have this living hope that gets us through trials and tests of our faith to, well, how we should act within our marriage or with, towards government or towards uh, masters over us, how we should Act in all of those situations in the midst of this. Chapter 5, we're going to conclude with some final instructions, right? Storm warning, hey, here are things that you need to do. Here are ways that you need to prepare for a storm in your Christian life. And the first way that you need to prepare is, well, we need good leadership. For Christians to be ready, uh, obviously God is called Christians to be a part of the body of Christ. And the specific expression of that, that every believer should be involved in, is a local church. For those local churches to do well in difficult times, they need good leaders. And that's what we see here uh, in the first few verses. Uh, Paul or Peter talks to the elders among them and identifies himself as a fellow Elder, and we see a few words. the The most common English words, I'd say, just in our culture, are pastor and elder. Uh, for this, it's one office of leadership within the church. And there's three Greek words that uh, that sum up this office. And you see all of them in this passage. You see elders. That's one of the Greek words, presbyteros. You see um, that they are to exercise oversight. Uh, That's connected to the Greek word episkopos, which is another word that's often translated overseer. And then they are also told to shepherd which is the word where we get pastor from. And even this passage is one that I think helps us see elder, pastor. They're not talking about different offices. They're different words to describe the same thing. Maybe you think about somebody who has a PhD and teaches at a university. I mean, you could call them doctor so-and-so, they're a professor, they're a teacher. Those are all words describing the same job. Even though they may be uh, emphasizing different aspects of the job, they're describing the same job. So this passage is really aimed at the leaders or pastors, elders of the church. And it's exhorting them uh, to shepherd the flock. That's what 
elders are supposed to do. They are supposed to shepherd or pastor the flock that is among you exercising oversight. They are to oversee their overseers. And it talks about how they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to do it not under compulsion, but willingly and not for shameful gain. And that's especially important in these difficult times. You need church leaders that are there because God has called them to be there and they're going to do the work no matter what. Now, we've seen other passages. It's good for churches to support their pastors, but we should see here, even in times where that's impossible, a time a time of suffering, that the leaders are not there for that. They're there for the flock, and that's the attitude that they need to have. They're not doing it for shameful gain, but eagerly. And verse 5, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That it's not just through you know power plays and domineering that the church leaders are to lead. It's through, uh, first and foremost, being examples to the flock. And then there's a reward promised specifically to these church leaders. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so we see the church needs good leaders, and it needs to then follow those leaders, be subject to the elders. So a couple takeaways here. One, I would encourage you, if you are not a leader in the church, to pray for your leaders in the church, that they would be these kind of people and that they would lead the church like they're being called to here in this passage. And then you should, if you are not one of the leaders in the church, you should seek to to follow their leadership to be subject to uh, the elders, uh, because that relationship of caring leaders and and exemplary leaders and willing uh, followers is going to be essential in these times of testing. And so really, there's the the second thing. The first thing we need is good leadership. The second thing we're going to see in this passage is humility, and really humility directed towards others and humility directed towards God. Right after it calls people to be subject to the elders, it says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So a church community needs to be characterized by humility. That's one way the leaders should lead by example. So when you have humble leaders and humble followers, that's going to work. When people aren't putting themselves first and acting like they know everything, that's going to make for a healthy church body, a strong community that will not disintegrate under pressure, but a strong community that will only galvanize and get stronger under pressure. And then we see not only a human aspect of that humility, that we're humble towards each other, but also that we are humble towards God. Verse six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So there we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. I find it interesting that here humility is linked with anxiety. That one way we show our humility is by casting our anxieties on him. And that's even after that phrase, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I think the brutal reality many of us need to face here is that oftentimes anxiety 
expresses an unwillingness on our part to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Because we're looking at what God's mighty hand is doing and we're like, ah, I don't know. How's this going to work? When when we need to uh, say, God, I'm going to trust what you're doing. I, I don't understand what your hand is doing, but God, I trust your heart. I trust your wisdom. And I'm going to humble myself under what you are doing. And I'm going to cast my anxieties on you and trust that you care for me. And just think, especially in a time of difficulty, there's going to be pain. There, there, there's going to be a temptation to be afraid, but you as a Christian need to understand God is in control. I'm trusting the power of his mighty hand and I'm trusting the care of his heart. That great phrase, how verse seven ends, because he cares for you. So I'm going to show a humility towards God. And part of that humility is going to be trust over anxiety. And so that may be another application point today as we think through then, always, now. Uh, Well, now you need to cast your anxieties on him. What are the things you're going to be tempted to be anxious about today? Cast those anxieties on the Lord and, and lift those up to him because he cares for you. And you casting those anxieties on him is one way to show your humility towards him. So we need good leadership. We need humility towards others and towards God if we're going to prepare for the storms of suffering or persecution. A third thing that we see today is we need vigilant endurance. Next, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. That's the idea of vigilance. We're looking out because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So there we see this vigilant endurance that we need to have. We need to be watchful and we need to be, we need to endure because there will be hard times. There will be times where it, it may even seem that the enemy, the devil has the upper hand, but we need to trust that there will be another side to the struggle that God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. And here, I think that's talking about even in an earthly uh, sense that God will often bring Christians through these difficult times and restore them. We know that even in the earthly worst case scenario of, of, of martyrdom, well, then God will in an even greater sense, re- restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you in glory. So we have every reason to trust God and endure knowing that he will vindicate his people in the end. I can't guarantee what the storm will look like in your life, what the suffering might look like, whether that could be connected to just broader suffering in society, whether that will look like specific persecution for you as a Christian. I don't know exactly what storms you might face, but I can guarantee you that good leadership, humility towards God and towards others, and vigilant endurance will prepare you for any storm you might face in life. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.